right, church. How we doing, everybody? We good? You good? Man, it is so good to see all of you uh, here today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who has joined us via the interwebs online. And, of course, everybody who's over at the South Side, South Campus. We're so glad that you're joining us. Everybody everywhere, we love you. And the best way that we can tell you that we love you is by clapping for you. So come on, everybody. Would you put your hands together? Just welcome everybody who's watching with us online. Okay, so this is a, this is a very special weekend at Summit Park Church because this is the first weekend that Lee Summit First Church officially joins us here at Summit Park Church at both locations. So we are really, really pumped about that. Uh, I want to take a minute. I want to just welcome anybody who is from Lee Summit First. Is, is anybody here uh, or at the South Campus? If you're here, just go ahead and stand up if you are. Uh, anybody joining us today? Okay, we've got a couple of people. Come on. Can we just put our hands together? We love you. Yeah. Some of you may be asking what's happening, why are we so excited. We, uh, we had a, a church uh, in the area that we've been praying about merging with for three years decide to join us. Uh, it was in a unanimous vote two weeks ago, and uh, we are just so thrilled to have Lee Summit first joining Summit Park. And, and we are just uh, excited about what that means for both churches and all that God is doing. And so we couldn't be more thrilled to have you here among us. And we actually have Pastor Roger Horn, who uh, is the pastor at least Summit First here uh, with us. And I wanted just to get a chance for you to meet him. So Pastor Roger, come on. I'm, I'm on a stage. Come on, everybody. Just give it up for Pastor Roger. I... This, this guy is the real deal. I am so excited for our church to get to know him. Uh, we've had the opportunity just to build this relationship for the past three years, three and a half years. And uh, it's really, really cool to see this come into fruition. Um, anyways, I'm just excited. Pastor Roger, would you greet us? Well, I don't want to speak just for myself, but I want to speak on behalf of all of us from LSF Church. We are jazzed to be in church tonight yeah. with you. Yeah. And... To be a part of Summit Park Church, it has been something that we have, we have been praying about, been talking about, as Pastor Scott said, but the fact that it's actually happened is just beyond a description. So we're looking forward to that. We know that God is in it. We know the kingdom is going to be enlarged because of it. And today I was walking through the building. We were doing some things and walking through our building and realizing, God, this is your place for your kingdom to be advanced as Summit Park Church begins a new era and our church Lee Summit First begins a new era and together we're better Pastor Scott yeah. I, I'm so I'm so excited thank you so much Pastor Roger this would not this would not be happening without your faith and without your leadership um, a unanimous vote is just un unbelievable I, we mentioned this last week but uh, but this never happens, and, and a lady who had been a part of the church for over 40 years was like, we've never voted unanimously on anything, uh, let alone joining another church. And so that's because of Pastor Roger's leadership. And so he wanted to be with us tonight. He is actually going to scoot away and go spend some time celebrating his mom's 86th birthday. So we're really excited. But, but thank you. Thank you so much. Come on. Can we show him some appreciation? Come on. So thankful for, for what God's doing. I want to say thank you again for praying. Uh, we are seeing a miracle. We are literally seeing 
uh, God go before us in an unbelievable way. And I just can't say thank you enough. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of what's happening here. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really amazing. And just in time for Easter, too, which is really cool. It's just really exciting because we're going to have more people finding and following Jesus this year than ever. And I really believe it. And, uh, of course, it's a great opportunity to invite people. We've been talking about that. So take that little invite card. You've probably already taken it out. But just take that out just for a moment. It's on your seat. Maybe you're sitting on it. You might have to uncrease it. Okay, but um, it's probably nice and warm if you have been sitting on it. But um, take that out just for a moment because I, I really want to encourage you to invite someone this week to Easter. I really believe this. God has placed us among people who don't know God, and he wants to bring them home to relationship with him. And so that's what's going to happen. People will come to church on Easter sometimes when they won't come to church any other time of the year. And who knows, who knows, God just might use your invitation to connect someone with their eternal father. That would be pretty cool. So I want to encourage you to do that. It's going to be neat. And uh, be praying this week, if you would. Be praying. You know, we're going to do our best. We're going to bring a great service. We're going to have great worship. We're going to have a great, powerful life change. I'm going to do my best to preach the message. We're going to, hospitality is going to be just hopping. But at the end of the day, we say this all the time, the horse is made ready for the day of battle. But victory ultimately rests with the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to be praying, be asking God just throughout the week. Let's be praying that God does something truly amazing at Easter. Amen? All right, well, um, okay, we're in our Promises series, and uh, this is week four. We've been unpacking this great reality that God has promises that he makes to us. He has promises that he gives to us, but they don't look like our promises. Because on our best day, you and I are going to make a promise, we're going to make a commitment, and how many know we're going to break a commitment? Like even when we're really, really trying. Come on, just raise your hand if you've ever made a promise, really tried to keep it, but broke it anyways. Come on, just raise your hand at both locations. Yeah, all of us, because we're imperfect, we're human, we fall short. But when God makes a promise to us, it's more than a promise. It's a contract. And it's more than just a contract. It's a contract with the creator, and he means to keep it. So when God makes a promise to you, you can take that promise to the bank. You can cash that in. You can know that God's going to stand by whatever he has spoken. He is going to stand by that, and he is going to deliver on that promise. You can take God's promises to the bank. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, he's basically saying God's made a lot of promises. But no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That's what, what he's saying is God makes lots of promises. They are yes. They are certain. You can take them to the bank. And it leaves us saying amen. Leaves us saying, so be it. It leaves us saying, let's go. Come on, everybody say, let's go. <laughs> That's what the promises of God leave us saying, all right? They get us fired up, and, and it becomes an oasis for our soul, really, truly. That's what the promises of God do for us. Because life can be challenging. Life can be difficult. Life can feel like a barren wasteland. But what the promises of God do for us, they allow us to retreat to those promises, sink our soul deep into those promises, and find rest and find joy and find hope and find life. God's promises are yes and amen. 
And so we've talked about a couple different promises. We've talked about provision, how God's provided for us. He's providing in front of us. He's continuing to provide for us. Great, great word. Pastor Zach uh, opened up the series with that. We've talked about how God promises peace for us. So God wants to bring peace to us, even in the midst of storms. Last week, we talked about how God brings power. He gives us power to live different. And so uh, we talked about that last week through the Holy Spirit. God gives us power. If you missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go online, check these out. These will be food for your soul. They will be an oasis. Thus, the luscious oasis landscape behind me, okay? That's what they're going to be for you. And the promise we're looking at this week is that God is always working a good plan. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Here's the big idea, and it's this. God is always working a good plan. He's always working a good plan. I grew up watching a show, a television show called The A-Team. Does anybody remember The A-Team? Just raise your hand and wave it around if you remember The A-Team. Anybody remember? That was so great. Come on. You know it was so great. Okay, true story. If you've never seen the A-Team, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about the old school TV show in the 80s. If you've never seen it, it's amazing. I don't think any show on television at the time had more gunfire than the A-Team. Like, it, we were shooting all the time. No one ever got shot. It was amazing. In every episode, there, like, literally someone, like, this happened every episode. Like, a car would go up and flip like that. Someone would shoot, and it would flip, and everybody would always escape before it blew up. TV was just cleaner back then. It was just like nobody died. It was just, it was just incredible. And, but one of the greatest lines from the A-team uh, was from, from the leader of the A-team. And he said, he always said it was a little cigar in his mouth. He said, I love it when a plan comes together. Okay, some of you know, some of you know, I love it when a plan comes together. Isn't it awesome when a plan comes together? Isn't it great like when you're working on something and you're wanting something to happen and, and you're trying to bring it about, you're starting a new business or, or you're starting a new relationship or, or you're, trying, you're just trying to build something. Isn't it great when it actually happens? It's just so much fun, right? Like, uh, I love watching Dude Perfect. Anybody ever see Dude Perfect online? My kids love Dude Perfect. It's so much fun. They do trick shots. And so, you know, it's like they do like these weird things like, oh, I'm going to take this basketball, I'm going to throw it behind, and then it's going to bounce off the building, and then it's going to land on a, fly, a helicopter that's flying over, and then it's going to land in the basketball hoop. Like it's just these amazing trick shots that no one could ever do, but they do them. You know, they just do them over and over and over and over and over again. And then, they, and then they happen. Everyone's like, ah, and they go crazy. They just go nuts when it happens. And I'm just left, like, thinking, I think the coolest trick shot is that all of them have made these, these kind of, I guess, dorm room videos, and they're all millionaires right now. Come on, you know, that's a good trick shot right there. Come on, somebody making money on YouTube. You know, that's a great trick shot. Babe Ruth called his shot, okay, back in 1932. He had a, a trick shot where he had two strikes against him um, and in the World Series. And game five, and he's, he called a shot. He said, this is a second home run. He said, I'm going to hit a home run over there. He goes, and he just, he just hits it. He pointed it out. Next swing just hits a home run. Everybody, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. How many of you know, like, if that was me, like, I, I'm sure when Babe Ruth crossed that home plate, he, did, he was, like, very classy, you know, just like, 
you know, probably saluted or whatever. Like, you know, how many know if I, if I, if I did that, <laughs> like I would be dancing like all the way from third base. I'd be like, mm, 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 mm. like move. Did you all see that? Like I would be all up in it. That's amazing. Like calling your home run and just making it happen. That's incredible. You got Dude Perfect. You got Babe Ruth. You got, you got A-team calling their shot, loving it when the plan comes together. Do you know who's the best at calling his shot? It's God. God is the best at calling his shot and working a plan. God has a plan. He's working his plan, and the plan is a good plan. And that's a great place for an amen. Come on, somebody. Like, that's a good, God has a plan. He is working his plan, and his plan is good. Amen. That's right. Thank you. All right. And let me just say this. This is everything. This is everything. Now, I know like not too long ago we used to say this is everything about everything. Do you remember that? Like, I don't know. Do we still say it's everything? Like, I think it was like a couple years ago. We're like, oh, it's everything. Like, oh, this burrito is everything. Really? The burrito? The burrito isn't everything. But let me just tell you this. Knowing that God has a plan for your life, that he's working his plan for your life, and that it is a good plan for your life, it's everything. It's everything because it's going to give you hope. It's going to give you joy. It is going to give you life knowing that God has a plan. He's working his plan, and it is a good plan. It's wonderful, and this is especially true. This is especially true when the world gets turned upside down. This is especially comforting when your world gets turned upside down. When things aren't going like they should. When you had a plan and it doesn't seem like it's coming together quite like you thought. Like you called your shot and instead of hitting a home run, you struck out. It's important to know that God has a plan. He is working his plan, and his plan is good. It's so encouraging, and, and this is what I want to talk about. So we look at this. We looked at provision. We've looked at peace. We've looked at power, and this may be the best one of all. It's that God has a plan no matter what you might be facing and no matter what you might be going through. One of my favorite verses, probably the fa- one of the most used verses in all of Christianity has to be Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He's talking to the nation of Israel, but he's talking to us today. He says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you ever heard that verse? Just raise your hand. Okay, you've probably seen that on some type of you know, bookmark, or you've probably seen it on a plaque. If you've been to Mardell, it's everywhere, okay? It's everywhere. Hobby Lobby, everywhere. All right? It's, it's, it's a good verse, but you see three different times God is saying this, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Three different ways God's saying, I've got a plan, and I'm working my plan, and it's a good plan. Can we just stop for a minute and think about how amazing that is if that's true? Can you just think about that? The creator of the universe, God the one who spoke the world into existence, that same God says, I know the plans I have for you. Not the person sitting next to you. Well, yes, the person sitting next to you, but not just the person sitting next to you, you. 
He has a plan. It's a good plan. It's a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. That's amazing. Amen? All right, so if that's true, then how can I experience it? How can I experience the plan of God in my life? Here's the good news. He's working it right now. God is working his plan in your life right now. The question we have to ask ourselves is this. Can we see it? Are we open to it? And are we patient enough to wait and pray and experience it? Can we see it? Are we opening, open to it? And will we, will we be patient enough to pray and wait and experience it? Let me give you a couple examples to illustrate this, and then we're going to do a deep dive into one of my favorite examples. You could, look at, you could look at Joseph in the Old Testament, and you could look how Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Come on, you know that's messed up. That's really messed up. And then he was lied about and betrayed and thrown into prison where he didn't belong. And things go from bad to worse to worser for Joseph. I know it's not a word. Don't come up afterwards and tell me. All right, I know. But they go from bad to worse. But then he ends up being second in command in all of Egypt, the largest, most sophisticated country in the world. And it's after all of this that Joseph says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. How many know the enemy of our souls has an intention? But how many of you know God's intention is so much greater and so much more powerful? God has an intention for your life. God has an intention for your life, and he is working his intention. Again, now this is one thing for you and I to have an intention. Like, I intend to eat healthy. Like, I intend not to go to McDonald's within this week, but that intention, it's just an intention. But when God intends something, how many of you know God's going to do it? God is going to do it. So you can, look at, you can look at Joseph. Then you can look at, you could go to Esther. We talked about Esther first Wednesday. She wins the Miss Babylon beauty pageant back in the day, all right? And so literally, truly, she wins the beauty pageant, and she becomes queen of the whole kingdom just because she's beautiful. And she becomes queen, and she gets this opportunity. She goes from monotony to majesty. But because of the evil plot of a guy named Haman, the whole nation of Israel is about to be taken out. And her uncle comes to her and says, hey, maybe you've been put into this spot for a reason. Maybe you're in this situation because God has a plan. Look what he says in Esther chapter 4. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. He's saying, maybe, maybe, just maybe, this whole queen thing, winning the Babylon, Miss Babylon pageant, isn't just so you can have people fan you and, you know, bring you cheese and crackers and grapes all day. Maybe you've come to this royal position for such, a, maybe God is working a plan. But you could look at Joseph, you could look at Esther, but I want to look at the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul gives us a clinic on what it is to understand what it is to experience God's working in our life. And, and he, uh, not unlike the poet and philosopher and popular theologian Drake, concurs that even though he went through a difficult season, he saw that it was all God's plan. One of the greatest verses in the Bible. Some of you are like, did he really do that? Yes. Romans chapter 8, 
Look at this. He says, and we know that in all things, everybody say all things. Come on, everybody, say all things. All things. God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I want to read that one more time because it is so good. And we know that in, come on, everybody, all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That verse is power-packed. It's like a superfood verse right there. I had a salad a couple weeks ago. It was a superfood salad, like spinach and birdseed. That's basically what it was. Supposed to be really, really healthy. It was disgusting. That's this verse, except it tastes good, all right? This verse tastes good. Let me give you three takeaways about God working. Let me do, it's so simple, but man, this is so powerful and it will help you. Number one, God is always working. Two, God is always working a plan. And three, the plan God is working is always good. It's very simple, but you'll remember this. And this, this is something you can tuck away when life starts rearing its ugly head, when, when the enemy is working you over, you can know that God is always working. God is always working a plan, and the plan God is, is working is always good. I want to give you those three takeaways. We're going to walk away better because of it. Before we do, turn and tell two people. You can trust in God's plan. Come on, tell two people. Come on, just tell two God's plan. All right, number one, God is always working. Verse 28 says, and we know that in all things God works. You can underline works. You can write he works. Everybody say God works. God works. He is working He's working when we see it, and he's working when we don't see it. He's working. Sometimes we see it, we're like, oh, I can see it. Sometimes it's behind the scenes. Sometimes you can't see what he's doing. Joseph couldn't see what God was doing behind the scenes. If you, I want to, your homework assignment this week, go read the story of Joseph. It's powerful. All throughout, God's working behind the scenes to actually set Joseph up for this great opportunity. I want you to know God is always working behind the scenes. I, I'm a nerd when it comes to like movies and stuff. I love watching the behind the scenes. It's, it's really fun. In fact, I, uh, I, I really got into Lord of the Rings when it came out. I think it is the greatest movie ever. It's just, it's so great. I mean, the story is just, it's the gospel. So go ahead and try to challenge that. You can't can't um and it's 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 movie making perfection can we just be i mean i'm not going to go on a diatribe on this but it's brilliant but let me just say the behind the scenes stuff when it when they came out with the extended like dvd series like you can buy like the extended the movies are already long but you can get the extended movies instead of like three hours they're like five hours <laughs> watched all of them watched all the behind the scenes I would have it on just repeat. I'd just watch it. I know, nerd, right? Some of you are like, I knew it. Some of you are just like, explain so much. I know. Um, but I loved watching behind the scenes. I love how they make it. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, we were, we were in L.A., 
uh, my wife Jen and I and uh, Zach and Ashley Kaufman, we were on a ministry trip to L.A. We just went to the, uh, I think, Redondo Beach area. We're just there hanging out, and turns out they were shooting a movie down there. It was really, it was really crazy. We were there, and they're shooting a movie, and you can see, like, these big tents where they're serving the food, and, and uh, so we walk up on it. We're like, oh, this is amazing. This is really cool. Oh, like, hundreds of extras. It was, it was incredible. We were just, like, blown away at how many people there were, and Scarlett Johansson was in the movie. It was, it was this amazing, it was this amazing thing. And my, my wife, Jen, just kind of started nerding out, you know. She's like, oh, what if we'll see her? And then sure enough, she show, you know, rolls up. She's got bodyguards, but my wife is still creeping nonetheless. She's like, she's getting closer and waving. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyways, they spend, they spend hours. We just hung out because it was very interesting. Very interesting to watch us. We're just hanging out for hours, watching them redo the shoot. They'd, all right, reset, and they'd walk, and a reset. And there are hundreds of people. In the movie, you can't see any of the people. <laughs> you don't see any of them. All, it's just in the car, and all these people are behind, but you don't see any of it. They put all of this time, energy, and effort for, for a shot that doesn't even make the movie. Think about this. These are people who are only interested in making money, and they spend so much time on something that doesn't even really make the cut. Let me tell you this. The creator of the universe cares more about you than people making movies. And he is working behind the scenes. He is working in ways that you can't see. He is setting things up to bring about his good plan in your life. God is working. He is working. He's sustaining. He's working when you see it. You see life, you see breath, you see the seasons, you see answered prayer, you see miracles. There are obvious moments when we see God's hand at work, someone, gets, someone getting healed, when the unexpected check comes, when we have a unanimous merger of two churches coming together and being an answer to both churches. You see, yeah, you can clap for that. We should clap for that. It's a miracle, and we couldn't do it. God is working. It's obvious when you see God at work, but he's also working when you can't see it. He's working behind the scenes. He's working in painful moments. He's working through difficult situations. He's working even in the midst of a pandemic. God is bringing peace. He's, he's bringing po uh, power. He's bringing provision because God is always working. He's always moving. His spirit is always on the move. It's just true. The question is for us, are we aware of it? Are we tapping into it? Are we patient enough to experience it? And are we praying it into existence and a big part of this it, a big part of this and I know I, I see this all the time as a pastor is knowing that God is working not because of our good efforts but in spite of our bad efforts God is working not not because of you but actually in spite of you because a lot of times we feel like, okay, God's going to work. God's going to bless. If I do all of the right things, then God's going to bless me. There is blessing and obedience. But let me just tell you this. God is good not because of you. God is good in spite of you. It's true. In fact, in fact, Romans, the whole book of Romans is really about this. 
So this verse that we get for God works all things, it's about us understanding that those all things have really no thing to do with us. It's true. True. Let me show you Romans 3. There is no one righteous, not even one. Not even one. Turn to someone next to you and say, not even you. It's not even you. As great as you are. Not even you. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short. It's not have fallen once, fallen twice, made a mistake here and there. It's actively, continually, ongoingly fall short of the glory of God. The major point of this letter to the church at Rome is to let them know this amazing gift of grace is not conditional on your efforts. It's in spite of them. God doesn't stop working because you made a mistake. God doesn't stop working because you messed up, because you didn't do what you said you were going to do, because you broke a promise. God's not done with you. It's not like he's up in heaven being like, angels, come here, look at this. I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, they've just completely, the plan is done. I don't know. Let's start over. That's, that's not happening. He's not, he's, he's not dismayed. He's not dis, discouraged. Look at Romans 3. What if some were unfaithful? Would their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Exclamation point. He says, let God be true and every human being a liar. You know what he's saying? God's grace is sufficient and it's bigger than your failure. It's bigger than your mistake. And God's plan working in your life is going to happen regardless of how perfect you live this thing out. Come on, that's good. That will stir your faith. That will encourage your soul. Your failure does not stop God's plan. God's plan is all about redeeming your failure. This is gospel. This is gospel. And man, this is a promise that will be an oasis for your soul. Because when you make a mistake, the devil is going to be, so, he is so faithful to come and rub your face in it and try to make you feel like you don't deserve God, like you can't pray. Well, you need to say, you, need to just, you just need to throw Romans 3 in his face and say, will this nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every person a liar. In fact, sometimes when, when we lack faith or when we make a mistake, you know what God, God's not like, I'm done. Do you know what he does? He rushes in. He sends his spirit. He sends his spirit to encourage us. And if we'll, if we'll open up the word and if we'll open up our heart, we will hear it. God wants to speak to us. And you know what he's going to encourage us with? Paul's going to tell us this in Romans 8. Look at this, Romans 8, 16. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's what? Children. We're God's children. That he loves us. He calls us his own. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Then he'll go on to say, you skip down to verse 35. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. And all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love and the plan and the goodness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, some of you needed to hear that today. 
Some of you need to hear that today. That, that, your, that your mistake, your failure, your moment does not nullify God's goodness. You can't. It's just not the way it works. God is working, and he's working in spite of us. Okay, so what is God working? That's number two. God is working a plan. He's working a plan. Have you ever, have you ever noticed how some people always have an angle? Have you ever like talked to somebody and you're like, ah, oh, I know what you're doing. You've got an angle. This is my three-year-old. She always has an angle. I, I still have not been able to win her over. Like, the only, the only reason she comes up to me is if she wants something from me. Any parents know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever experienced this? Is this still true as they grow? I don't know. Um, I can just tell. I can just tell, like, like she'll come up and she's like, hi, daddy. I'm like, this is weird. You know, it's like, I was like, hey, how are you? I want some candy. And she'll have it, like, right behind her. I'm like, nope. You know, it's like, I just knew. You were just working it. You just had an angle. Let me just tell you this. God always has an angle. He's always working an angle. Look at this, Romans 8, 29. It's right after the verse we just read. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. If you're taking notes, you can underline both of those. Foreknew and predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Foreknew and predestined. It means God knew you and chose you before all of this came to be. He knew you at the beginning. God always had us on his mind. You know, Willie Nelson wrote a song. You were always on my mind. You know, God was singing that way before Willie Nelson ever thought about it. God's singing, you were always on my mind. You know, when we find Jesus, when you find salvation, it's like the light bulb gets turned on, isn't it? It's like, like oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Wow, yes, I get it. It's eureka. It's death to life from despair to hope. Yes, I get it. It's amazing. And we're almost surprised by it, right? We're almost surprised at how good God is. But do you know who's not surprised at all? God. Because he had this in mind from the very beginning. Even, he knew even when you were going to go astray and when you would come back to him. He knew it all. He's had this in mind from the very beginning. And not just your beginning, but the beginning of everything. Garden of Eden. Can you imagine being God, creating the world and all that, the universe and everything? He's like, oh, that's going to be great. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create the pinnacle of creation, man and woman. And he creates Adam and Eve before the garden, I mean, before the fall of humanity. Can you imagine how great that had to be? Such joy, such peace, no sin, no disease, no death. I mean, they had to be so happy. They had to frolic. You know what I'm saying? Adam and Eve, I don't use that word very often, but man, if there's ever been a frolicker, it had to be Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They frolicked, but then sin entered the world. Separation from God took place, and creation gets cursed. And God, I mean, you had to think he'd be so disappointed. All that energy, all that time spent creating all of this, and they go ahead and ruin it. Right at the beginning, it wasn't even like the second couple. It was the first couple. 
And you know what? What's crazy? That wasn't the first time it happened. God had created the angels, and Satan fell from heaven, took a third of the angels with him. What betrayal. Can you imagine how God had to feel about that? But what's amazing is God had all of that happen, and he still made mankind, and he knew what mankind was going to do. Check this out in Ephesians chapter 1. For he chose us in him before. Everybody say before. Come on, with strength, say before. Before the creation of the world. Do you know he chose you before? Before it all. And look at this. To be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us and the one he loves. I love what he says there. There's that word again. Predestined. He predestined. And how did he predestine? In accordance with his pleasure and his will. It brings God great pleasure to work his will in our lives. It brings him pleasure. It brings him joy. And he's been working this angle from the very beginning. He's been working an angle on your life from the very beginning. Before, before your parents ever had you in mind. Before your parents have ever flirted for the first time. Isn't that just always a weird thought? You know, like mom and dad, like flirting in high school or whatever. It's just weird. But before your parents' parents ever had you in mind, before any of that, before any of that had happened, God had you in his mind. He predestined you. He called you. He's been chasing you. from the, You thought you made a decision to follow God. God's been choosing you from the very beginning. He's been choosing you. He's been chasing you. And he's got a master plan that he wants to work in your life. You know, we're getting ready, we're meeting with architects for this new space at Lee Summit First property, and we're looking at expanding the parking, adding facility there, redoing all of it. And before we do anything, we have to have a master plan. We have to ma have a master plan. And before, before one board is placed or one nail is hit or one parking spot is added, there has to be a master plan. And all of it involves code requirements, drainage requirements. We have to get a civil engineer involved in it. We have to have the city approve it. And that's just to build a church. Can you imagine like what goes into like building a tunnel under the sea or a bridge that spans a sky or a skyscraper? You know, it's just amazing when you think about all of the planning that goes into building something. Can you imagine how much planning has gone into you? Can you imagine how much planning God has put into your life? God has got it all mapped out. Okay, God is working. He's working a plan. So what kind of plan is it? It's a good one. The plan God is working is always good. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The word good there is agathos, and it's intrinsically good. It's basically good, essentially good. Plato used this word when he's talking about health care or medicine. So Paul takes this word, and he says, God's plan is like agathos. It's essentially good. It's like medicine for your soul. It's like health care. It's like making you better. That's God's plan for your life. It's a good plan. 
God's plan for you is good. He's not, he's not evil. He's not trying to harm you. What do we find out in Jeremiah? His plan is to prosper you and not to harm you. His plan is to, is to be good to you. Now, how does that flesh out? Two ways. Number one, a good plan of God in our life results in God's glory. So God's plan for our life is for his glory. The highest aim of our life should be about bringing glory to God. Life is about God. So making him the highest thing in our life is the greatest thing we can do with our life. It's the point of all of this. So life is all about seeking what will bring the most glory to God and doing that. Spending time with God. Worshiping God, glorifying the Lord. That's why worship is so important because it brings glory to God. It honors God. Seeking his will for our lives. That's why prayer is so important. Taking time just to, to dive in and say, God, I want to talk to you. God, I need you. Lord, I'm seeking you for your will for our life. Living a life that pleases him brings glory to him. Honoring him, following him, staying away from things that are destructive and doing things that are obedient and reflect his glory. Helping others find and follow Jesus reflects the glory of the Lord. It's for his glory. Bringing glory to God is the point of this story. But it's not the only point of the story. God wants us to bring glory to him. And as we do, we will experience joy in our heart. So it's for his glory and for our joy. God's ultimate glory being met results in bringing joy to our heart. Let me just tell you this. The more of God's glory you seek, the more joy you will find. The more of yourself you seek, the less joy you will find. God wants to be good to you. We've got to settle this in our hearts. He's working. He's working a plan. And his plan that he is working is good. Jesus said it best when he said, if you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to be good to you. I want you to know that. Jesus knew the Father, and he's like, trust me. Now, that, that good might look different than what we think, right? Because sometimes what we want is not what we need, right? Right? Like, how many know, like, my kids are going to choose ice cream over broccoli every single time for dinner? Like, every single time. And we're mildly better as adults in life. We're going to choose what we think is best, and God is going to give us what he knows is best in his perfect timing. That's why we got to trust him. So we've got to come to that place where we seek him, where we look to honor him, where we bring him the most glory in every way that we can. We bring people to, to faith. We bring people to Christ. We're bringing the most glory to God. We're seeking him. We're drawing close to him. But at the end of the day, we're trusting that his timing is best and he knows what he's doing. Quick example, and then we'll pray. Have the worship team come. I, uh, three years ago, we wanted to make this thing happen. We wanted to make this merger happen. And I was convinced it was the will of God before we launched our South Campus. I was, I was praying. I was like, this is going to happen. Roger was excited about it. We got text messages going back and forth of how, how excited he is and how just thrilled what he was about it. And it just, it just didn't work. It just wasn't God's timing. 
So we had both of our, we were looking at other things. We had both of our leases that were coming due this year. I, we knew we needed to do something. God knew what was going to happen three years ago when we could have never known. He knew that COVID was going to happen. He would knew what about the lease situation. He, would knew what, he knew what Lee Summit would need, Lee Summit First would need. He knew what we would need. He knew all of this before the foundation of the world, and he's been working his plan the entire time. And for such a time as this, for this moment, he's bringing this together because God is always working a plan, and his plan is always good. And this isn't just for church. This is for you. God wants to work his plan in your life. So the question, again, comes for us. The question comes, do we believe it? Are we going to trust it? Are we going to seek it and say, God, I'm going to believe that you're working even if I can't see it and even if I do see it, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to seek you and I'm going to put my hope and my faith in you. Amen? This is what we need to do. So across this place, would you, would you stand? We're just going to take a moment. We're going to worship. And I want to pray a prayer over all of us. Can we pray, Father, we love you and we praise you. And God, our desire is to honor you with all that we are and with all that we do. God, we want to have your will in our life. God, we want to have your plan, your good plan, the plan that you're working, the plan that you're bringing about. Father, we want it more than anything. And God, we just ask that it would be the case. Lord, that you would bring about your good plan in our hearts and in our lives. But we open ourselves up. We say, God, have your way. Work your will. We want you and all that you are. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a quick moment and I want to ask you, if you're here today, you're watching online, you're in this room, you're at the South Campus, you're saying, you know what? I don't know God, but I want to. I'm away from God, but I want to be close to him. You're here and you're saying, you know what? This is speaking right to me. I want the plan of God, but I don't even know God. If you're, if you're here today and you're saying, man, I would really, I want to make a decision, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. We want to pray for you and want to believe God to change your heart from the inside out. He can and he will if you'll open yourself up to him. You're here and you're saying, you know what? I need to make a decision. You feel, you feel God speaking to you. You know it's him. It's the voice of God. He's resonating with your spirit. He's calling you his child. He wants you to know him, but you got to put your faith. you got to put your hope. you got to put your trust in him. you got to stop trusting you and start trusting him. If you're here today and you're saying, man, this is me. I need to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to follow Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life. Would you slip up your hand and say, would you pray with me all across this place? Just lift it up. Hold it up. And I want to pray for you. Believe God to do something great. That's awesome. Just hold it up across this place. Just hold it up. Let me pray for you. And believe God to do something great in your life. Father, I pray for those that are reaching out for you. Lord, I pray that they would experience life and hope and joy. Lord, those who are watching online, God, I pray that you would speak. You'd bring hope. You'd bring life. You'd bring joy. God, your kingdom would come. Your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's take a minute. Let's worship.